Charlie Borman's name is inextricably connected with adventure motorcycling. He's been riding since he was a kid, actually first starting out on three wheels, believe it or not. You'll hear more about that on today's episode. But most often, Charlie is recognized for his part in the film Long Way Round, in which he and his buddy Ewan McGregor filmed an epic motorcycle adventure going from London to New York. Now, that film has since gained an almost cult-like following and has been the inspiration for countless motorcyclists and even non-motorcyclists everywhere. Charlie has went on to do a load of other adventures filmed and televised. Today, we have Charlie Borman's Motorcycle Life. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Before we get started, I want to thank these fine companies that helped get this episode out today. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com Best Rest Products is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com I'm Sam Manikin. Simon Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Brian Field. Helga Jocelyn Snow. Carl Parker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Chris Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free. maxbmw.com. Long Way Round, the movie, is deeply rooted in the culture of adventure motorcycling. An epic adventure from London to New York, a documentary that highlighted the fun and excitement of adventure motorcycling, while at the same time, the toll that the stress of an adventure like that can play on those that attempt it. Broadcast into homes around the world, Long Way Round not only entertained, but it inspired many riders and non-riders to tackle motorcycle adventure. But I think it had an even greater effect by waking the world to the idea of adventure motorcycling. After rolling into New York City to end the Long Way Round adventure, Charlie went on to do many more. He attempted the Dakar and and the film Race to Dakar was made. He did the movie Long Way Up, By Any Means, Extreme Frontiers, the list goes on. But as far as life goes, I mean, before Long Way Round, Charlie was sort of headed in the direction of doing some painting and home renovations for a living, and it looked like that's where he was going to stay before serendipity changed his path and ultimately all of ours in adventure motorcycling. I mean, think about it. If Long Way Round had never happened, would we be here right now talking about this? It's an interesting thought. Most recently, Charlie has just completed some kind of secret adventure that he doesn't want to or can't talk about right now. But of course, I'm going to try and get him to say something about it. Here's Charlie Borman. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm all good. 
Okay, my name is Charlie Borman, um, and I, I suppose I, I ride motorbikes um, occasionally, uh, long distance, um, and have done quite a lot. I, I, can't, I tried to figure out how many miles I've actually, or how many hours I've actually sat on a motorbike, and I just couldn't figure it out. So that's me. Charlie, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. And and what a strange time we are as well. I mean, I'm we're sitting here talking about adventure riding and adventure travel and. And I'm sitting in my house, quarantined, yeah. and along with the rest of the world, being quarantined and not being able to ride my motorbike. And, and, and I'm allowed out of the house once a day, either to walk or to walk my dog or to ride a bicycle. And, and I, th- I can ride a, a motorcycle because petrol stations are open, but, but I'm a little concerned because I've had so many injuries over the past four years. Uh, what I don't want to do is fall off my motorbike and then end up in hospital full of coronavirus, full of people, you know, overstretched. And then all the um, doctors and nurses just looking at me thinking, what an absolute... Yeah, what an idiot. Yeah, I could think of much worse words that <laughs> they would have used. Lots of bleeping I could do right now. And um, and I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people are out there riding and some people are, are very... Um, adamant about their view that they should be allowed to go out and ride. But I mean, you know, that, that is a thought process for sure. And I think a lot of people are leaning that way now. The thing is with this thing is I don't, I don't want to go on about this because it's, there's just so much in the news and so much coverage Mm -hmm. on it, but it's changing daily and it seems difficult to keep up with what's going on and and what they're expecting of the public. And then when you go out in the public, which which we haven't done very much, it, it seems that there's this wide range of some people who are completely ignoring what's going on and then other people who are at the other extreme. It's, it's kind of tough to deal with. I think so. I think, well, you know, one of the problems is that, uh, one of the problems is that, um, you guys are, are a few weeks behind us, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, where in, we are. Yeah, and what's and, what's happening? And, yeah. and in in what's happening, and so we're very much in kind of sort of lockdown mode, and and you know all the restaurants and all the uh, everything's closed except for you know the butcher, uh, the bakers, the the um, you know, the supermarkets, and 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 bicycle shops for some reason are allowed to be open, and petrol stations, and that's it. I mean, you know, you cycle. I cycled this morning around London, and uh, well, not just around my area. Because you know they ask you to stay local, and and um, and there's just there's nothing nothing going on. It feels like one of those kind of apocalyptic movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be awesome to you know jump on a motorbike with a bunch of GoPros and and just ride through the centre of London because there's just nothing there. Well, I, and that's where it shows up the most, doesn't it? In, in a city like that, where it's yeah. normally so packed. Yeah, yeah. And and it's and it's it is it is important. You know, it is important to. Isolate. We need to get all this down. But anyway, we know all that. Yeah. So just wash your hands, stay at home, and yeah. just in, in, enjoy it while you can. It's a forced, it's a forced reload. So let's just you know, why not just, just embrace it? Wow, enjoy it while you can. I, that's the first time I've I've heard anyone say anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> An excuse to stay home. Hey, let, let, let's let's pretend yeah. that this isn't here. Let's escape from all of this. I sort of want to go back. I know your 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 father was a, a famous producer of movies, and you it looked like you were going to start out life as an actor. Can you talk about that? 
Well, yeah, my my father was a guy called John Borman, and he well he he he's a director mainly, well, director, producer, writer. So he pretty much does all of it, and he he made films uh, like Point Blank with Lee Marvin, uh, Deliverance, Excalibur, Hope and Glory, uh, Then Will Forest, um, and a whole bunch of other movies, which all did incredibly well, you know. And I think he had fourteen Oscar nominations or something like that, and and and. Has done has done really well, and I always say that my father, um, uh, when he made Point Blank with Lee Marvin, you know that was the first proper violent movie ever made, and and um, and it kind of changed the way people look at movies. And then he did Deliverance, which kind of changed the way uh, uh, movies were made, and 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 you know tension and all this kind of stuff. So so he, I've, I've always been so massively you know impressed and inspired by my father and, and and he was always doing really difficult movies in difficult locations and really tough things and, and 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 as children we were always part of that we always traveled all over the world with him when he made movies from the south pacific to brazil to south carolina to los angeles and and then all in those times and going to those different places around the world we lived in ireland in the middle of nowhere in the wicklow mountains um and um and then because we were four children we were always put into his movies so if you needed children in in the movie, he said, "Why pay for them? I've got four. I'll put them in for free." And and I think, <laughs> uh, and and the first film I ever appeared in was a um, a film called Deliverance, where I played John Voight's son. So when John Voight comes to the very comes home after this harrowing experience with Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty going down this river in canoes, um, he comes back to his wife and there's a little boy sitting on the on the on the sofa. And that's me. And my father said to me, he said, Charlie, if you sit on that sofa, I'll give you a tricycle. I, I, I know it, it sounds a bit dodgy, but but I, I really wanted that tricycle. And um, and so 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 I sat there and and uh, and did the scene and got my flame. It was a cherry red with yellow flames uh, on the mudguard uh, tricycle. So and maybe that's where my kind of love of motorbikes came from. I don't know. You started out on a trike. I started on a trike, <laughs> yeah. And as well as that, I, I wouldn't look in the right direction. So so they had to get one of the guys from behind the camera to pick up the tricycle and move it around behind the camera so I would look in the right direction. Oh, he actually had it there. Yeah. So, so He had it there in front of you. Oh, I see. He had it there in front of me. So, so he would pick it up and behind the camera, he would move it. The guy would move it so I would follow. My eyes would follow. And so I would look in the right direction. Wow, it's total manipulation. You're fine. Total you're fine. manipulation, yeah. And all for a tricycle. I mean, God, if I imagine if I'd held out for points, I would have made a fortune. Yeah, you're that really movie good. was one of the big ones, that one. If you could have uh, done the little negotiating there. What was it like growing up with somebody who's, I mean, obviously your dad was very driven. What was it like yeah. with that? And, and in particular, as you got a little older than that, as you start to recognize that he's very successful and that he's, you know, well-known and he gets things done. What did that do for you as far as your drive? Well, I mean... I think I think if, you, if if your father does whatever they do, you just take it as that that's what they do. You don't look at it in 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 any kind of sort of way that you know it's a it's a film. He's working in films. You could be working in anything else, and you just went along with whatever whatever he did. He he did, and and you know, and as as an independent filmmaker, you know, you're only making one movie every three or four years. You know, it just takes so long to get a movie off the ground. And and so so he was around a lot as well, which was fantastic for us. So so he'd be he'd be working super hard for a, for a period of time, and then would have a couple of years of of 
not we what we didn't really think he was working, but he was you know writing scripts and looking for movies and and, and money and, and and all that kind of stuff. You know, the life of an independent filmmaker, or as an, or a life of an entrepreneur, or someone who's running their own business. And so, so you know, we had the best of both worlds. So we travelled with him to all these different places and met all these different people. And people were always my mother was always cooking for everybody. So you know, we'd sit down to lunch or dinner at home in Ireland, and there would always be somebody at the table, and you would sort of sit there looking down the table thinking who are all these people eating my food you know and 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 you know and they were they were actors they were they were all sorts of sort of different people i remember when uh, my father made a movie with 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 sean connery called um zardos which was a kind of crazy movie you said if anybody wants to see uh uh sean connery in a in a kind of grown-up nappies just google um zardos and it's very funny um and and um and he, but he he st- he stayed in in the house with us while he was making making the movie and 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 every Friday he would count out the money to give to my mother to uh, to pay his way for staying at the house and and so he was just sort of just around and 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 even now he's just a he's just an old friend of the family and and um, one of my oldest friends Jason Connery who's who's an actor as well he he's been one of my oldest friends forever so we're all. It's all just part of the family, really. So, and I think when you're older, and when I finally sort of went to school, as, as you were saying, you sort of start to realise that it, it was more in the public eye than 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 you kind of realised. So you're, you're sort of desensitised to it in a way when you're younger. It's just the way things are done. Yeah, and, and I was already, you know, from, from a very young age, I was already starting to make a bit of money as an actor. And then and then I was in a bunch of his, his other movies, in, in in some smaller roles, and then I had a big role with a film called The Emerald Forest, where I had the lead role in that, and that and that was nineteen in nineteen eighty four, and that was very successful. And then for a period of time, I, I was making, I made a whole bunch of different movies, and 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 it was very successful. And then and then as as often these things happen, you know, wrong choices of movies, and some movies not so good, and and the 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 offers started to slow down a bit. I started to do a bit more painting and decorating as I went along, um, and then slowly that painting, decorating, and doing up people's houses became more of a job than my acting job. <laughs> and um, and occasionally I would do the odd film. And and while I was in that sort of ten years of doing people's houses up and decorating and painting and putting bathrooms in and and you know um, and never anything really structural. But but uh, and in that ten years of doing that, halfway through that, I, I did a film with Ewan called um, The Serpent's Kiss, um, and this was my big comeback movie. It had it had Pete Postlethwaite, Greta Scacchi, Richard E. Grant, Ewan McGregor, and a bunch of other people in it. And I was thinking, okay, and me, and I'm thinking, brilliant. This this is this is this is going to be an epic movie. And 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 we we did the movie, and it was great fun. Ewan and I became great friends. And then the movie went straight to audio, I think, missed out the cinema and television completely. So it was a pile of wow. rubbish the film turned out to be. What, what do you mean straight to audio? What you mean if the movie's that bad? They, they well, don't... it was so bad, it just did never... Well, most of all, all you can say just went straight into the bin. Oh, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> just wasn't, it just wasn't very good. Well, well that's, um, that's the, the, the sort of interrupting here, but that, that's what I was looking at, is that that lead up to that, another, and while you're painting houses... Do you feel the pressure at that point of that thing of your, you know, what your dad did and, and all these people that you knew and acting and, and they're so successful, successful. Do you feel that pressure at that point that well, I, I got to get going? I got to do something. I just, well, 
Yeah, I mean, of course, you see, it's odd because because I had such a lot of success when I was when I was younger. You know, back in 1984, five, I was I was flying back and forth to New York on Concord. The movie was a huge success in the states and around the world. And I was flying everywhere, and I was making movies. I was, you know, I was 18 years old and making quite a lot of money, and um, and I had big success, and people were. You know, you know, people were interested. I was on morning television and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, and then slowly that kind of, kind of dried up. And all my actor friends who were struggling, a lot of them started to do quite well, just as I was starting not to do so well. But this is so, all making it worse. You know, it was all, it was all. But you know, you just, it's just, it just, just what happens, you know. And 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 then, you know, I had a, a wife, and then I had um, two two little girls who were very small and a mortgage and. I was juggling all of that together and, and sort of still keeping the, trying to keep the dream alive of, of still making it a go of acting. And, and, and I, I always struggled as an actor cause I'm, I'm very heavily dyslexic and, and, um, uh, and, and I always struggled in school with, with, with reading and writing and spelling and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then as well as that, you know, learning lines and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, I, I, it was really, really hard work for me. I mean, when I was making a film with Ewan, I mean, he, he would just look at the text and learn it just um, like a photographic memory. And I would spend days just learning a scene, just trying to remember the words, you know, just was just such a struggle. So, I think in that 10 years, I slowly started to not be as hungry as I, as I was at the beginning for that, mm. you know? And then, um, and then I started to think, well, you know, and then you and I met as friends after that film and we, we ran, helped run motorbike teams and, and we did all sorts of stuff together with motorbikes. And I'd always been involved in motorbikes. Ever since I was a little kid, I'd been riding motorbikes. Um, and, uh, and then I started to think, well, maybe I could start making a proper go of this. I was getting quite handy at doing people's houses and places up and making a bit of money. Um, and uh, and I thought, okay, you know, I, I don't miss it. So um, I, I, I'll just carry on doing this. And then you and I came up with this idea of, of doing Long Way, Long Way Round. Um, and that changed everything for me completely. Where you, you said you were into motorcycles since you were a kid. Where did it start? Well, I, I lived in, in the countryside in Ireland, in the middle of nowhere, and 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 uh, I, I remember with Jason Connery, actually Sean was 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 visiting, with, and Jason came along, and someone had left a little Honda monkey bike in 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 our barn, and, and Jason had had convinced me to to push him up and down the the driveway to try and get this bike going. We finally got it going, and he raced around on it, and then he finally gave me a go, and um, and I remember being on this little monkey bike and going past dad and Sean who were sort of standing there on this on the grass just outside the house and as I went past dad he grabbed me by the hair and pulled me off the bike just as the bike went into a barbed wire fence <laughs> and that was and, and that was and, and then so that was my first sort of attempt at, at riding motorbikes I was very young I was think I was six or something or seven and 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 then um and then a guy called Tommy Rochford who was a local guy in a village in Ireland. Um, he had a Mako 400, which was, which was the, the bike to have in those days. It was just, you know, it was a motocross bike. It was just awesome. And I convinced him, this one was a bit old, a little bit old, about 11 or 12. And I convinced him to give me a go. And, um, and he, he let me have a go and I, I kind of went around the field and then fell off. And, um, and then that was it. I then got a little ATCC. My great friend Kaz, on the other side of the river, 
So we had this river running through our property. And then on the other side of the river was this friend of mine, Kaz, and he had motocross bikes, but he, his family were quite rich. And so he always had, you know, the latest stuff. So I used to go over there and kind of ride on his motocross track. Mm. And that's kind of how it all started. And then I moved to London when I was very young. I was 17 when I moved to London to start working and living in London while my parents were living in Ireland. Um, and, um, and then I, I, I got my, I got my first road bike, um, which was a one, two, five kind of dirt bike. And then, and then I got it. My first road bike was a, was a Kawasaki Zephyr 750, which was beautiful, beautiful bike. You mentioned long way round. You guys decided to do this trip and, you know, I I think almost everybody has uh, seen long way round. Did you know what you're getting into with that when you're starting out or was this just going to be a huge adventure with possibly getting a film out of it? <laughs> well, I mean, at, at first it was just, you, you know, you and I were, were doing small trips and we wanted to do a bigger trip. And um, uh, and then we thought about riding down to the south of Spain from London and meeting our families down there with our kids down there and then riding back, you know, and have a holiday with the kids when we're down there. And the family, and 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 then then we thought of doing this, and then Ewan rang me up one day and said, "Look, Charlie, I've got this idea. Um, come round to the house." So we had this world map, and he said, "Look, why don't we go to China instead of going to Spain?" <laughs> so it was a big leap, and and uh, and then and then we we met this we met this guy online, uh, and he was called Millennium Ride. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now, and he had done the Road of Bones um, in Far East Russia. And he said, you've got to do this. And I think Ewan found this guy and, and, and we saw his photos that he posted online and we thought, God, we've got to do that. And so we saw where that was. And then Ewan said, well, that's there. Why don't we just carry on and then just go to Alaska and then Canada and then we'll just go to, you know, New York. And it seemed like a good idea. At the time we said to, the, to our wives, what do you reckon? They go, and they both said yes really quickly. <laughs> I, <didn't, laughs> I, I think they were just trying to get rid of us. And they said, no, no. First they said, well, how, how long is it going to be? And we said, oh, I don't know, about four and a half months. And they went, okay. You could have put up a fight at least to live here, you know. I would have um, thought they would have been worried about the dangers of it. I mean, because uh, first of all, motorcycling. Uh, well, I, what, what, and, and how does your wife feel about motorcycling? Yeah, well, I mean, she doesn't mind, really. I mean, I met her riding motorbikes and, and, and I, I wouldn't, I don't think I could imagine my life without them. So it's not really a, um, it's not really a conversation, really. Is she a rider? And, and uh, yeah, she rides. She rides, okay. she, 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 she rides a motorbike. She, I mean, she rides a, a Vespa, um, but mostly for practicality, really, for her, just to get around London. And, and she did it because the kids were in two different schools when we went, um, when I went and did Long Way Around. Uh, no long way down. Um, she was finding it really difficult to get them to, 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 to the two different schools in time. So she, before I left for long way round, a uh, long way down, she she got her, her bike test and and um, and so she's burns around on a scooter, but she she can ride a normal bike as well. So so she's pretty cool about it. Um, I, I think the last four years has been challenging because I, I, I smashed my legs up really badly in two thousand and in twenty sixteen. I, I did a really big number of my legs, and then uh, and then eighteen uh, two years ago, eighteen yeah eighteen months ago, I I had another huge crash and just smashed myself up even worse. So um, 
I think she's, you know, it's definitely pushed her, her tolerance a little bit. Mm. I, I want to go back to, to oh, Long Way Round. Sorry, go back. No, yeah, no back I want to go back to Long Way Round and talk more about that because it, just because it, it's such a, it's such a landmark for adventure motorcycling. Looking back now at the trip, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, I mean, at first we were just going to do it, and then, and then um, we, we just just on our own, and then, and then I, you know, I just didn't have the money really to to do it. And Ewan had just done Star Wars, and so he was, you know, he was all right. Um, uh, and then someone said to us, you know, why don't you write a book? I mean, two friends going around the world, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Perfect for a book, and so we kind of sort of sniffed around, and 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 we got a bit of a bite for that, and it looked like we could sort of potentially have enough money to be able to do it. Um, and then we thought, well, how are we going to do the book? And both of them, I'm dyslexic. Ewan's not the greatest, right? You know, the, the greatest either. And then we thought what we'll do is we'll do video diaries every day and talk about everything that went on and film a little bit. And that's kind of where it kind of went on. And then we would transfer the video diaries into, uh, into the book. And so that, that was kind of, so the book kind of, um, we kind of were able to do it because of that. And then, um, and then we thought, well, quite if we're going to film the whole lot, we may as well film it a bit and then get someone to film it. And that's how the kind of, and then we ended up, you know, filming the whole thing. But I don't think any of us really realized that, you know, we thought we'd slap it together. We got a bit of money to make it. Um, you know, if somebody watches it, great, but if not, we'll have a great book and a, and a, and a DVD collecting dust on the shelf of, of what we did. <laughs> So we thought, you know, that'd be all right. And, you know, I had no idea. I mean, my career and everything was really pretty rock bottom. And, and you know, when Long Way Around came out, I mean, it wasn't an instant success at all. It, it, it was quite a slow burner to start off with. And then it just gained momentum and momentum and momentum. And then the book started to sell and, and it just went crazy then and and i mean none of us realized that it would be like that and then because of the success of long way around i i could do uh race to dakar which is the dakar rally which i made a tv show about um uh in 2006 i was able to to do that off the back of doing long way and then ewan came down to meet me at the end of the dakar rally where i actually ended up smashing loads of bones on that as well <laughs> there's a bit of a theme going on here and then, um, and then he said, look, let, let's do long way down, you know? And, and so, so it, it totally changed my life. That, that conversation with you and, and, and you and taking the time out and, you know, thinking actually let's, let's make this happen. And because of you and it, it really did happen because of him, it totally and utterly changed my life. And, and, and so I, I've, I, you know, I can never, I'll always be in, in Ewan's debt for, you know, for wanting to, you know, to do it and, and, and such enthusiasm and for the two of us to be able to go along and do it, you know, it's changing my life completely. What do you think about the, the criticism that you hear about long way round? I mean, it seems that, you know, anytime <laughs> anybody talks about it, there's somebody with one opinion and somebody with another opinion, or at least there's always the heckler that comes up. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. I mean, you know, you know, I've sat there and watched a movie and thought, gosh, I didn't like that. But everyone else loved it. You <laughs> well, know? What do you mean so, didn't like that? Like, isn't something that you did? Well, I didn't like the movie. No, like say, say if you go watch a, uh, any movie that comes out and you sit there and, oh. and I think, well, that was right. And, and then my wife or, or the person I'm with going, God, that was amazing. And you go, I don't know. So it's, it's just, 
people's opinion and, and you can't please everybody, you know, and, and, you know, some people say, Oh, you know, unless you're doing it all by yourself, it's not a proper journey. Uh, or, you know, they say, you know, you just had a, I don't know, 50 trucks following you and two helicopters and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I know, and Ewan knows that, you know, we rode in the most extraordinary places and, and, you know, we had this adventure and, um, and I would never do a big adventure on my own anyway. I'm just not that type of person. And, 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 the, the, but the, the point is, is that it doesn't matter what adventure you have. So it doesn't matter if you're riding four mates, riding on motorbikes and, and the, the four girlfriends or wives are in the, are in a car in the background carrying the bags or whatever. And you go down through Morocco or you go down wherever, you know, it doesn't matter. And an adventure can be a day or two days or 10 days or whatever, but it's your adventure. And, and it's what you get out of it and what you remember about it. And, and you always, you don't remember the great days so, so much, but you remember the days when you got the flat tire and then the, the, the wall of the tire ripped and you had to find another one. And, you know, and at the time it was a pain, it was a pain, but the, but the memories were, those are the memories that will be there forever. And it doesn't matter if it was a two day or a 10 day or a three month trip, it's still your adventure. There's some scenes in Long Way Round where it's really raw. Like you see really raw emotions that, that could be uncomfortable for a lot of people, for a lot of us, to have displayed in such a, a public way. Did you know that those raw emotions, those times that show you maybe in a bad light, um, did you know those were going to be left in? And, and how do you feel about that? Well, I think um, we always said that we wanted to just do make the, the documentary as it, as it was and as it as it came, it came along and, and, um, and, you know, warts and all really. Uh, so that's my children. You can hear in the background. They're yeah, off to, to walk the dog, but <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not children anymore. They're 24 and 23 years old. So uh, I, I suppose that they're, 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 we're all sharing they're the always children. at the moment. They're always children. Yeah. yeah. Blood sucking, money grabbing, <laughs> ungrateful. <laughs> but, and, and we wanted to keep it all in. So, so that it it was real, you know, and those are the, your real thoughts. And, 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 you know, if you're in a bad mood, you're in a bad mood and, and, and stuff like that. And that's how it, I mean, I remember I, I lost my sister to cancer uh, about 20, 24 years ago. And, um, and we all lived such busy lives. And, and when she was ill, it, it was really emotionally awful and hard. And we just had our first child just, just as it came towards the end of her life. And, and then, you know, life was so, so busy and, 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 and everything went on. And then finally, when, when we did Long Way Round, you know, there were long periods of time where you're sitting on the motorbike doing lots of things and you start thinking about all sorts of stuff that you haven't had time to think about in your sort of everyday lives. And, and my sister Talsha used to pop into my head a lot. I'd be riding on looking. I mean, we, we went you know, through some extraordinary places. And I would sometimes think, Tasha would love this, or she would love what I was doing. She'd be so happy for me that I found what I truly really love doing, you know? And, and, um, and, and like, on, on, I, I've just finished a big trip, uh, which I can't talk about, but, but, um, but there was one particular time in that trip when it was, it was really tough day. And, and, and these double rainbows came along. And, um, and, you know, uh, but, but Ewan said, Oh, look, I think Talsha's here. So, uh, 
Mm. Anyway, it was lovely. So nice. it was, um, it was, it was, and, and so that kind of thing, I think you, you finally get the, the chance. And that's, what's lovely about riding a motorbike is, is that you put your helmet on and you get out in the open road. If you have a long journey and you, you do have time to think and you don't have the radio and you don't have a bag of crisps uh, or potato chips sitting on the, on the, on the passenger seat or whatever, you know, you just, just you, the open road and your thoughts. Well, of course, unless you're riding with a headset and you're listening to music, which you're not, obviously. Oh, well, I, I do. I listen to a lot of spoken word um, mm. on big, long journeys. Yeah, that's, that's funny because you don't hear a lot of people who do that. that that's uh, I hear people talk about music and I'm hearing more yeah. now people tell us they listen to our podcast while they're riding, which to me just seems, well, that's kind of cool, you know? Well, it's kind of a bit like listening to the radio. I think if you, if you, if you are going to give it a go, you should, do, you know, don't, I mean, I wouldn't sit and listen to Tolstoy. I, I would, you know, I would choose something that it doesn't need a massive amount of concentration, you know. Mm. So a nice, easy, easy book to, to read. You know, one of, one of, one of Long Way Around or Long Way Down is a perfect book to listen to. <laughs> there you go. There's the pitch right, right there, both available in audiobook at, uh, at audible.com. Yes, or you could, uh, you could listen to my latest book was the long way back, you know, about how I came back from my broken legs. Right. Anyway, maybe we so should just put a list story. at the end of this, you know, rather than pitching it as we go. <laughs> yes. Hey, when you finished long way round, when you came out of that trip, did you feel Ooh. different? Was there something different about you? Because at that point, you don't know the magnitude that this film is, is going to have, the impact it's going to have on motorcycling. How did you feel then? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was an overwhelming feeling when we um, rode over the bridge into, into, into New York. And, and, uh, and I remember riding with you, and, and, and if anybody wants to sort of look at the last, that last bit, you know, we're both incredibly emotional and thinking, my gosh, you know, we, we'd, we'd set off in London, from London, from more or less home, and then took a, a train under the, under the tunnel, under the uh, channel, and then a, a short plane journey. And, and other than that, we'd, we'd ridden to New York from London. I mean, it, it, the most land you can do going around the world. And, uh, and I remember just thinking, Mike, what an incredible adventure. And I remember being kind of relieved and really sad at the same time for it to be kind of been on the road for four and a half months. I'm really looking forward to seeing my family, spending time with them. You know, the journey had come to its end. We, we, were, we were all, you know, we were all enthused by that. And, and, uh, and we'd already spoken about maybe doing another one, so, so which meant, you could finish this one knowing that there was a possibility for another one, you know, and that's always very important when you've done an adventure is, is to think about doing one just before you finish the one you're doing. So why is that important? Well, because then, you know, imagine you just stopped and you had no plan to do another one. That was it. Oh my mm -hmm. God, you, I would turn around and, and ride back to London. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people do that. Some but people it, just, just do one well, trip do. and they consider some it. Just do. Yeah. It's their life trip. And, you know, um, I, I know that for, for New Zealanders, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, they've got the big OE, they call it, where they, um, you know, when you, when you finish school, you head off, you do an adventure and then you come back and you settle down to real life, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, look at Ted Simons. I don't know if you ever read, know about a guy called Ted Simons who wrote a, a lovely book called Jupiter's Travels. I have heard about him, yeah. Is, oh, you should read his book. It's We've had him on wonderful. the show. Oh, you've had him on the show. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 No, he's a good talker. Uh, just keeping away from, from your wives. Yeah. But um, uh, but he was a great inspiration as well. And, and he went off 
I think just to do four or five months and seven years later, you know, he finally mm. finished, but it, but it is very addictive. And, and, and I always say to people, you know, if you want to go on an adventure, I said, they're very dangerous. And they go, really? What? You, Cause you fall off. I said, no, because once you've done one, all you want to do is another one. And so, so I think when we rode into New York and we thought, God, we could do another one of these and that was fine. And it was time to finish as well. I think we'd all had enough of being on the open road and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and to them to spend time with our families and then excitement of, of getting, cutting the show together and making a TV show out of it and all that kind of stuff was, was hugely exciting. Um, but at the same time, you know, we had no idea what was going to happen to it or if anybody was going to listen to it or see it or whatever, would anybody be interested you know. And now so many people have been influenced by that, uh, by that show. As a matter of fact, it's probably the, the influence that I hear come up the most when I interview people is I saw Long Way Round and, and I thought, I want to do that. Oh, that's lovely. We're going to take two minutes and talk about a couple of sponsors that have some great products for us motorcyclists and that have made this episode possible. Stay with us because we have a lot more coming up with Charlie after the break. Now, when you think of coffee shops in Canada, well, you shouldn't be thinking Tim Hortons. Why would you go to Tim Hortons? What you should be thinking is Red Rock Garage. Located in Beaverdale, British Columbia on Highway 33, Red Rock Garage is the coffee shop with a motorcycle addiction. They've got a, a B&B, a campground, a cabin to rent. They're closed right now this time of year. But, uh, and of course, with what's going on now, they're, they're working hard to get open uh, for this season, uh, for the, the motorcycle season, which hopefully is going to be soon. Um, I, I just talked um, with uh, the owner of, of Red Rock um, through email there the other day, and he was saying that they're working hard to open for the 2020 season with customers in mind and the passion they have for sharing stories. So make it a destination for you this year. There, it's, it's the southern part of British Columbia. It's stunning riding. The area is absolutely stunning. It is a perfect drop-off point, a perfect uh, detour if you're heading to Alaska or going back down from Alaska or something like that. Look at the Red Rock Garage. The Red Rock Garage in Beaverdale, British Columbia. Their website, redrockgarage.ca. And of course, make sure anytime you're you're emailing or anything, um, throw in there that you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. And I did mention they've got the B&B in the campground there. So you can actually spend a few days there. Stop, get to know, hang out. Um, they've got excellent coffee and of course, fuel and all the other things that, that you would need. Redrockgarage.ca. A few episodes ago, we had Clinton Smout on our rider skills program. We were talking about water crossings. The uh, I think it was the four top mistakes that riders make water crossing. And, and the first one Clinton tackled was speed. And interestingly enough, he mentioned that one time he went fast enough. This is one of his stories. He went fast enough that the water stream from the front tire actually blew his feet off the pegs. And I mentioned that I've had the same experience. But what we didn't get into in that uh, episode was the other reason. Aside from hitting the water too fast, the other reason that our feet were forced off the foot pegs was because of inferior foot pegs, for, at least for what we were doing. And that brings me to IMS products and the foot pegs that they make for adventure bikes. There's a, a load of foot pegs out there, but they're not all created equally. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you don't know much about motorcycles and somebody was to look at, a, say, a V-Strom, a KLR, an F800GS, and a KTM 990 and say, well, they all look the same to me. They all look like they're the same bike. To the untrained eye, yeah, they look very similar. But you and I know these are very different bikes with different uses. And when it comes to foot pegs, 
they are the, the foot pegs are your most important point of contact on the bike, especially when standing for obvious reasons. And having a great quality foot peg changes your ride incredibly. I'd argue that if, if you're in tune with your riding skills and you, you got a chance to ride with IMS foot pegs, I guarantee, I mean, I would wager a bet, metaphorically speaking, I'm not going to bet you, that you would never again be satisfied with stock pegs or low-quality pegs. I mean, I know the experience for me when I put them on, I, w- I really wasn't expecting anything out of them, and I was blown away the moment I stood up. I mean, I didn't go 15 or 30 feet or something before I went, wow, okay, I can already feel the difference. And then since then, I mean, it's been uh, just a huge eye-opener. Anyway, imsproducts.com. Um, have a look at their, their full line of adventure pegs. They're made in the USA, and they're warranted for life. I don't know how you could possibly go wrong here, and they're designed specifically for us riders. And for the style of riding you do, they've got a peg that will fit it. Make sure you mention Adventure Rider Radio when you talk to them, IMS Products. And now so many people have been influenced by that, uh, by that show. As a matter of fact, it's probably the, the influence that I hear come up the most when I interview people is I saw a long way round and, and I thought I want to do that. You know, I, oh, I want, that's lovely. what is it about long way round? What, the, what do you think it is that inspires people? I don't know. Someone, someone said to me once, or it was a journalist said to me, once, he said he thinks he thought that the success of it was because of of you and I, and because it was just two mates going off on a journey, and and okay, we on this particular one we chose to ride motorbikes, but you could be in a in a in an overland vehicle or on a bus or on a train or or you know flying somewhere to have a gap year somewhere, and 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 everybody somewhere in that show identifies with what happened. You have an argument. You're in a bad mood. You, you have some bizarre adventure. You have trouble at a border crossing. You have can't find food. You're hungry. You're, you know, all those kind of things. And I think I think people identify with that. And and I think at the time, you know, it hadn't really been done like that before. I don't think. And 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 then we were very lucky in in our timing as well because because I think there was a big wave around that kind of 2004 2005. There was this big wave of people wanting to do a bit more than just go on a, on a, on a summer holiday. You know, mm. they wanted to have a bit more adventure. And I think just as the show came out, it's like timing for anything like a movie or a TV show or, or a business idea or, 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 or a marketing, a marketing campaign or anything, you know, you have this, you have this idea and, 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 and you launch it. And, and if you get lucky, you, you end up on this wave. And I think, I think we just got lucky. And I think we just, rode this wave that everybody was looking for a bit more adventure and and we just happened to 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 be doing something like that yeah you know? I, I think that's so true i mean it's it, i don't say luck but happenstance yeah, I mean, it, you know you got to be the right place at the right time yeah i think so and if it had we maybe launched something like that now people would have said oh well i've seen that before yeah big deal you know yeah so i think we just got lucky and 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 i think that's what happens sometimes you just get lucky i mean you know, like any business idea, it doesn't matter if it's movies or TV or a book or, or, or a business idea. You go to your a bank or your boss or, or a TV station, whatever, and you pitch someone an idea and say, look, this is my idea. I want to sell cupcakes or I want to sell, you know, this TV show. And people go, some, 10 people say no. One person says, you know, I like that idea and give you the money. And then and that's what happened to us, you know. We met all these people, and most a lot of most people said, "No, I don't like, don't understand it." And uh, and then eventually, one person gave us the money to do it. <laughs> we got the money, and we thought, 
oh my God, we've got to do it now. And we had no idea how to do it, you know? So, you know, it was very funny, you know, to, to do that. And I think we just got lucky. I mean, I remember one time we were pitching it to, we were in Australia, making, we made a little teaser to try and get people to understand what we were trying to do. So you and I got together for a couple of days, rode motorbikes and we filmed a little sequence, uh, like a pilot, I mm-hmm. suppose. And, um, and while we were in Australia, we thought we'd go, to, we'd go to one of the channels there and said, you know, we pitched them the idea and, and we pitched them the idea about these two guys going off and traveling around the world, don't know what's going to happen, you know, but things are going to happen and stuff like that. And he, and he looked at us and he said, do you know what I think? And you know what I think about that? I didn't go, yeah, no, I'd really like to know what you think. He says, I think two wankers on motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> I walked away thinking, Ooh, okay, maybe that sounds, you know, but anyway, we, we, we kind of persevered and I don't know, we just got lucky. I think in a roundabout way, I think we just got lucky. It, uh, I think also the vulnerability that, that both of you showed in that made it very compelling. And I think that follows through in the other things you've done, because if you look at Race to Dakar, which you, you've already mentioned, came after this, you went yeah. and, and you, and you trained for racing the Dakar and I mean, there was even times in that, you know, where, where you, you showed vulnerability. I mean, there's many, many times in, in that film. And I, and I think that's what really made that adventure um, interesting for people yeah. to watch. You know, it's more than just a race because one thing to watch somebody ride a motorcycle, that's kind of boring. But throw in the human element. Well, well, yeah. I mean, if you watch if you watch like this year's Dakar, which was squeezed in before all this craziness happened, mm-hmm. you know, all, all you see is is five minutes every day of motorbikes. and But you don't see the year and a half of training and brutality of crashing and picking yourself up constantly. And, and, and you, you've got to get to a, to a point where you can do a, a three day or a six day enduro race competently in order to be able to safely do the Dakar rally. So you've got to get to a point where you can prove to the organizers that you can ride a motorbike and that you're not going to be, uh, um, you're not going to be a, uh, uh, what's the word when you, when you, um, liability, not an asset, a liability. Yeah. So you can be, you're not going to be a liability and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's brutal, but you just never get the, you don't get the time to do that. So that's what we hope. That's what we hoped that we wanted to get across on race to Dakar was, uh, was that, and my gosh, did it happen? I mean, I just ended up breaking both my hands and, oh, it was just, Oh, that was real. I thought that you just faked the, the hand breaking thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's oh good theater, you know. It's good it's great film. theater, you know. I mean, I think I think Russ Malkin, the producer, was thinking, "God, something happens." Yeah, <laughs> because I was I was starting to, I was starting to actually do okay. I was I was placing in the top in the top eighty out of two hundred and fifty. I was you know doing some good times. <laughs> it was like, well, we're going to do sixteen days of this, <laughs> and then the shit hit the fan. And, and but you got to go and see the show it's it's one of the shows I'm, I'm i'm really proud of that show and and it, it it really tested your endurance and it just shows you how much you can actually do and achieve if you really want something and as you mentioned that this um this sort of set off long way around sort of set off this this wave of trips that you're, yeah. and movies that you're doing after because after that you did long way down i think that was 2007 mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's a, that's another trip where you and you and got together and, and sort of tried to, con- I guess, continue on on the success of the other one. Yeah, it was it was it was. I remember you and when I when I finally rode into 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 Dakar and Senegal, 
at the end of the race and and you you and came out throughout to meet me with with dave and 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 um and he and you saw these big huge six wheel drive trucks and motorbikes and dust and dirt and all this kind of stuff and you and said yep okay come on let's do long way down and so so we so we then went straight into doing long way down and then i did a bunch of other ones but you know long way down was a completely different uh show because of going through africa you know whereas we're going to russia there was barely anybody around in in africa it's just full of people and people live on the roads because that's the that's the bloodline of 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 how to survive in in africa you know and 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 it was it was such a different different experience and such an amazing experience going through going through you know uh sudan and ethiopia and Kenya and Uganda and Rwanda and Tanzania and Malawi. It was just, it was just amazing. I mean, there was nowhere else in the world where you could be riding along on a motorbike and you have to stop because 10 elephants, 10 elephants are crossing the road. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just amazing. You know, every other continent in the world, we've pretty much wiped out animals, you know, except for domestic ones. And so it's, it's a, it's an honor and a pleasure to ride through Africa. I mean, I do, I do a motorcycle tour every year um, through Africa, uh, where we go from Cape Town to Victoria Falls and back and sort of back down the other way, and uh, we take a bunch of people every year to do that, just to say to people, look, Africa is amazing. Because when you, min- you mention Africa to people, and people go, "That's a dodgy place. You oh, know, I mean, that's dangerous." Yeah. And 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 it's not really. And and I've been running tours there for the last eleven years, and and. We've just had the most fantastic time. Hang on a second. You know, Africa's not dangerous as a continent, or or you mean the route that you guys do is not dangerous? Well, no. There are parts of well, okay. So the top five most dangerous cities in the world are uh well, three of them are, are in you in the United States, and then one is Mexico, and then there's there's one in Central America, uh, and then there's there's one in Africa. So so it just shows you you know, where the danger is spread out. Yeah, but and, that's cities. And, what about countries? I mean, well, countries, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, well, it's, I've, I've, I've traveled through most of, most of Africa. I mean, if you go to, to there, there are certain countries which are slightly more dangerous than others, but if you go to, if you go to Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Malawi, uh, Ethiopia, and all those places, they really, they're really pretty relaxed places. And you think about the thousands of people that travel through Africa every year. On buses, cars, motorbikes, trains—you name it. I mean, when was the last time you read about anything going on? Mm-hmm. You you said that when you were young, you traveled around because your dad was doing the films, etc. And and then you're traveling at the, up till this point that we're talking to now uh, around by motorcycle. Are, are you a traveler first, or or a motorcyclist that travels? I mean, you know, you're describing about going down through Africa and meeting the people. Is that what it's about for you? The the meeting of the the people, the cultures, the the landscapes you're going through, or is it about riding your bike through it? I think I think it's all of those things. I think um, I think I love riding a motorbike. I absolutely love it. I I ride one every day. Uh, I um, and then on the weekends I go for 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 rides on the weekends with friends. People say to me, you know, okay, you you ride motorbikes for a living, Charlie. What do you do for a holiday? And I go, well, if I can get away with it, I'll ride a motorbike. But but I think I think you know because my father made these very tricky, difficult movies to make, um, and he made them all over the world, and we went all over the world with him. And he was this adventurous guy who, who, who made these, these movies in, in impossible locations. 
and 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 so I think we got that spirit of adventure from him and travel from him, and 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 so I think first and foremost, I remember when I was after I had some success in in making movies, you know, people would tell Charlie there's a movie going on in Africa. I go, okay, I'll take it. And then I would read the script on the way down and <laughs> think, well, that script's crap. So that's not good. But so that was, was always my, my driving force was where, where was I going? You know, and, and, and by starting these, these shows with Ewan and all the other ones I've done, you know, I've been able to combine the two things that I love most is, you know, traveling, riding motorbikes. And then of course, you know, it's, it's what happens between point A and point B and all the people that you meet along the way. That's the fun. So before you were sort of chasing whatever came along, but now you're steering it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I've finally been able to make a living out of it. <laughs> That's <laughs> always know. handy. <laughs> finally. Yeah. It's not easy making, making a living out of someone, someone joked to me, said, you know, how do you make, um, you know, cause I, I'm part of a, a restaurant called the bike shed, which we started here in London and we're opening one up in, in Los Angeles and, and, and it's, it's, it's sort of restaurant, you know, cafe, uh, retail, all that kind of really cool kind of hipstery kind of place with, with a tattoo parlor and, and barber shop and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and someone joked to me, returned to me and said, Charlie, you know, he said, he said, oh, I said, Charlie, you can make hundreds of dollars out of motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about and making to a degree. He's right. You may you make know? money out of motorcycling, but I mean, even making money out of, out of what you love to do. I mean, there's often problems with yeah. that, not only making the money, but dealing with what, what it becomes as it becomes your, your way of, of life and way of making a living. Sure. I mean, listen, nothing's easy. Nothing. You know, and if you're sitting there wanting to make a TV show, you know, you think of a TV show and there were 50, 60 people already pitching that idea, you know, and, and there's only a small amount of, of, of companies that, that, you know, want to give you the money to make it. It's, it's the same in any business, you know, making a movie or a TV show is no different to coming up with an idea in the city about, about some, some new business or whatever. It's the same thing. You know, you've got to go and you've got to pitch the ideas. You've got to try and convince somebody, you know, 99% of people say no. And then you trudge around constantly trying to endlessly, um, pitch another idea, another idea, another idea until finally someone says yes. So, you know, in the background, there's always a huge amount of energy that goes on to get these things done, you know? Well, and it has so to be original too, because I mean, to make another long way round for somebody to say, Oh, I'll, I'll do a long, long way round. It's been done. It's, it's, you know, you yeah. can't do that. And same as the bike shed, like by the sounds of what you've got there, uh, I know of the bike shed, but I, I haven't been there. Um, but by the sounds of it, it's, it's something different. You, you know, you've sort of made something that's unique. Well, yeah, I mean, with, with the bike shed, we, you know, I was sick of going to all these different places, hangouts where you, all the bikes would stop and turn up and, and you were, you know, you went to some bar or not bar, some restaurant or some, some cafe or something like that. And it just was, especially in this country, it was just serving just rubbish coffee and rubbish food, you know, and, and I, I wanted to go have a destination to ride to where you could sit down and have a decent breakfast with a lovely cup of coffee in a nice environment you know, and why not, you know, and that's kind of where it started. And and then to find all those cool helmets and the, and the Kevlar jeans and the, and all that riding gear that was always so difficult and fragmented over the internet and it only bits and pieces and little shops everywhere and try and bring all that to one place, you know, that, that was the, that was the idea, you know, so, so we kind of, so I met up with a guy called 
Dutch who was who was running a, a, a an exhibition, a motorcycle exhibition or a motorcycle show every year. Um, and I bumped into him and he said, come along. And, and what he was doing in this exhibition was exactly what I wanted to do for the cafe. So I can, I convinced him that it'd be a good idea to, to get into business together. And, and so, and we, and we did it and, and it's a, it's a great place. And if anybody ever comes to London, head to the bike shed, it's just fantastic. It's in an awesome part of, the, of London as well in, in Shoreditch, a really cool part of, part of town. So it's a nice place. Another Great pitch. You're, you're really good at this. <laughs> it sounds so natural. It does. It really it sounds just, natural. Just threw it in there. You, you just, mentioned you know. food. You were, you were dissing somebody's coffee and food there. You like cooking. Oh, I love cooking. I'm, my mother was an amazing cook. She came, she came from Northern Germany and whatever dish she made, there was at least a block of butter and, and cream and everything. Mm. And, and so she, so she gave me the love of cooking and, and we, and I said to you a bit earlier, there was always tons of people sitting, having lunch or dinner at our house. And we were constantly entertaining. So as children, we all had to muck in and serve and cook and clean up and do all that kind of stuff. So, so that always came with me. And then, um, and then I, someone convinced me in the end to do, I did MasterChef. Do, do, do you guys have that in the States? I think you do. No. In uh, Canada. No, well, I, I, mean, I don't watch television, Charlie. So I mean, yeah. you're, don't use me as a, as a judge. Well, anyway, there's this TV thing called MasterChef. And you get a bunch of people together and, and, and they kind of put you through brutal kind of competition to, to try and whoever ends up being wins the competition type thing anyway i did that and came joint second uh in that and and then uh, and that's my de-stress thing so when i'm traveling for three or four months at a time you know uh i i come back and 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 to because what happens is that when you're at home and and you know all your friends are ringing and you're you're socializing and you're doing a business and stuff like that but when you go away for a long period of time the first thing I notice is that my phone stops ringing and friends stop ringing because they know that you're away. So there's no point in ringing to say you're coming out tonight because one, you say, well, no, I'm in, I'm in wherever it is, Namibia or somewhere. And that pisses them off. <laughs> so anyway, they stop, they stop ringing just because I'm not around. So when you come back after three months of traveling or whatever it is, with my wife, she always organizes a whole bunch of people to come on a Sunday lunch or a, or a, or evening dinner or something like that. And I'll sit and I'll cook for 15, 16, 17 people and all friends come piling in and we have a big Sunday lunch or, or a big dinner. And, um, and that's kind of how I only do a couple of those. Uh, and that kind of sort of tells everyone I'm, I'm back in town and then the phone starts ringing again. And, and, um, and then I'm back in town. So, so food for us is, is huge importance. I mean, at the moment, you know, during this lockdown, you know, we're all came right. Kinvara cooks on Monday. I cook on Tuesday. Doon cooks on, on Wednesday. Ollie cooks on Thursday. I cook on Friday, you know, so we're all already sort of deciding who cooks because, because otherwise if it was up to me. I'd cook every night. Wow. Your whole family likes to cook, obviously. Yeah, all of us love to cook and, and we'd love to entertain. I mean, I think for me, I would far rather, you know, have a bunch of people over for dinner or go to a restaurant or whatever than than anything else, really. Hey, we, we talked about, um, we, we talked about a long way down, 2007. 2008, you're back at it with By Any Means. Can you talk about that? Yeah, By Any Means 
Well, uh, Russ, Russ, Russ Malkin. Um, uh, I first met Russ Malkin when we did Long Way Round, and then he got David Alexanian involved. Um, and then we did Long Way Round and Long Way Down together. And then Russ and I did Race to Dakar together. And, um, and then once we finished Long Way Down, we were sort of looking to do something else. And we went to the Valencia MotoGP uh, race, which is the last race on the calendar. And the two of us went went there, and we were we were just on the Saturday night. We were in this tapas bar, a uh, really fun place, uh, having a little bit of red wine and, and having some incredible tapas. And we just started to talk about this idea. And and then Russ pulled out on the back of this um, of this boarding pass, actually, of the plane that we'd taken. We came up with this idea of of by any means, and and the idea was to go to from to go from to London to uh to australia so so from animo to bulligong and 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 then by any form of transport so bikes cars trucks elephants tuk-tuks boats you name it we tried to try not to to do lose to use planes and uh and we came up with this idea and then the bbc picked it up and 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 off we went on this sort of crazy crazy kind of thing i cannot tell you how many Bikes, cars, trucks, elephants, boats. I mean, we had the, I had the most disastrous time on the boat. Every time I got in the boat, it tried to sink, or tried to be in a storm, or 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 get washed up onto 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 cliffs on by the sea. I mean, it was just nuts. Who worked out the route for this? I mean, that had to be a, quite the job in itself. Well, I we we sat there and just thought, well, I want to go from here to here. How do we get there? You know, we went to Iran, we went from Iran to Dubai, from Dubai to Mumbai, uh, from there, from India, went all the way north up to Nepal. And then from Nepal, we're supposed to go into China, but they had some big lockdown. Um, And then we we had to take a, oh, just went all over the place, Indonesia. And then we went from, there was one bit where I went from East Timor to, uh, to Darwin and the top of Australia. And um, and we convinced this guy who had a private boat, sort of half sailboat, half motorboat, which he'd built himself to take along. And it was supposed to take three and a half days. And and in the end, it took six and a half days. And we spent three and a half days in in a 15 meter swell for three and a half days doing one knot an hour. Wow. Three and a half days. And I cannot tell you how bad that was. It was horrific and i remember calling my wife on the satellite phone and she's going how is it (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sitting there and and suddenly i'm in this trough and all you can see is water around you and then suddenly you're way up on this top of this 15 meters up and then you're on this top of the thing when all you can see is water below you and i'm going well you know it's not too bad ollie it's it's going okay and in the meantime we filmed the whole thing but I, i was filming bits you know saying to my wife that i love you and that I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought we were goners. I really did. And one stays in the middle of it. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Are you when you're talking to your wife on the satellite phone on any of these adventures that things are not going great? Do you candy coat it? Do you make it sound like it? Well, you know, the, it hasn't hit the fan yet. No, I only tell her afterwards. Yeah. So you know, so if oh, the shit has hit the fan that day, I'll just say, "Oh, can't you never believe what happened to me?" You know, it's not like, well, tomorrow I'm going to go and get this micro i'm going to do paraglide paramotoring i'm going to strap a, an engine with a propeller on my back and i'm going to fly across the african plains and and that was a complete disaster as well because 
the wind was too strong when I got high and 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 um and I kept getting pushed backwards and and every time I looked for a landing place all I saw was a lion uh, a, a rhino <laughs> all these different animals and I thought, well I'm not going to bloody land there you know <laughs> so it was you know and so I would tell her afterwards you know so this so, wasn't planned out in advance you guys are figuring out your route as you go well, we, well, like like everything, if you do an adventure or anything, you you have to sort of figure out, you know, I want to get to here and here and I want to do this, this and this and this. And how do I get to those places? And that's where you sort of figure out a, a route and then you go. And then, you know, you more or less stick to what you're doing. But then if something else happens or something else changes or whatever, you've got to be prepared to, to change your plans. And, and, you know, every time you change a plan, that has a ripple effect going down the line. You know, so, so, so some things you, you've got to organize like ferries and other things like that, because they're just set times, you know, but other things you just make up as you go along. <laughs> great fun. It's just great for chaos is great fun. You know, you're sitting there in chaos is just brilliant. You know? Well, it's fun in hindsight, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Is it oh, so much totally fun in hindsight? Yeah. At the time, sometimes it's like, oh my God, what the doing here exactly. you know, whose idea was this and then you remember it was yours and think well, okay <laughs> you know i mean i remember when we were in india and one says i was in this train station and i stupidly took this map out to figure out where i was going and immediately there was like seven people around me and in india people don't have this this you know we have this invisible invisible barrier around us where we have our our space your personal you, space your yeah. personal space in, in 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 india and in, in when we were in mumbai it was just, you know, you get this map and poof, there's someone right beside you just looking at the map and, and you're just thinking, oh my God, this is nuts. And then afterwards, it's just hilarious. It's just, I love it. And piling onto the train in India for we'd spent two nights on a train in India. Oh, it was just rammed with people. We managed to get one of these beds and, and the, I had one of the best Indian meals I've ever had in my life on this Train, on the train. And did this on the train this guy came with this tray with tinfoil over the top of it and he was just handing it out to everyone and he had a little kitchen where he was doing his bits and pieces and that was his job he spent 20 years doing that on the train you know giving this food out and i sat on my little bed and i opened up the 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 silver fork thinking this is going to be terrible and it was one of the best meals i've ever had it was a vegetarian curry with 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 naan bread with 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 all the roti and everything you could possibly want was it was just it was amazing and we had these two days of sitting there playing games on the phone reading a book chatting to people having this great food uh uh you know handed to you it was just, it was brilliant you know i have a theory about about uh, those times when you have an, an amazing meal or maybe the best cup of coffee and i kind of think it has to do with something to do with your surroundings you know you, you sometimes have totally. a, a cup of coffee that's just incredible it, it is so good and i think that all, that if being thirsty is a, is a huge asset for having the best cup of uh-huh. coffee so maybe that's what it was on your train ride yeah, no, I, I think all the all the all the gods, you know, collided at the right time, and and sure, part of it is is definitely the location where you are and, and stuff. But then, if you make a cup of tea, uh, uh, you know, one out of eight cups is going to be delicious, you know, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe those maybe you are thirsty, maybe I don't know whatever it is, but uh, but I remember having the most amazing cup of coffee once. You talk about coffee, and you and I uh, were in Ethiopia. 
and we were having this dinner in this restaurant and um and they're serving you this food in this in this place and then there's this person at the end of the of the table who while you're getting towards the end of your meal uh they come with a with with coffee beans and a and a and a and a and a big clay pot with a fire underneath it oh, wow. and they just start roasting the the coffee beans at the end of the table while you're sitting there chatting away and this aroma starts to come about and it's just intoxicating and then they they roasted the the coffees beans and then they put them in a in a in a, in a grinder and then they grind it right in front of you there and then make this coffee and then hand it to you in these little cups <laughs> it's just wow wow wow, wow. it was amazing <laughs> Hey, when when it comes to adventure, what is adventure to you? What what do you picture it as? What does it mean to you? Adventure. Well, adventure is is adventure for me. Uh, well, the idea of 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 a of a big journey coming up, and the excitement of planning it and packing for it and getting your tent and getting all the gear that you need to get it, get it going, and then that just that anticipation of finally the day comes along that you can stop talking about it and actually just do it and and that that riding out you know getting all your gear on and sweating up and getting completely overheated you know as you're saying goodbye to everybody and then finally you get off on the road and you just breathe and you're you're, you're off and you're going and you have no idea what's going to happen you've got a vague idea of where you're going but you know who and what and what might happen just is all in front of you it's just lovely do things have to go wrong to make it an adventure in, in your mind no, just just I, I think it's just being open minded and 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 just seeing what's out there and 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 always an adventure. If you're off for a couple of weeks or stuff, so like that, it takes a couple of days to get into it, you know. And so you can't rush the that into it. You just got to just let it all happen and get used to, you know, stopping and unpacking and sleeping and packing everything up and getting going again and. And not worrying too much where the next bit of fuel is coming from, or or will we make it to the end of the day? You know, that just takes time to get into the rhythm of of an adventure, and then and then you know, three or two or three days later, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm into this. And then slowly things start to happen, and you meet people, and you become more relaxed about it, and 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 off you go. <laughs> and you've had so many the reason I'm asking but eventually you've had so many adventures because you went on after what we were talking about there you, you did a, a series with the most dangerous roads in Alaska in yeah. 2011 you did Charlie Boorman's Extreme Frontiers oh, yeah. um, where you came to North America you've just had so many of these adventures when you're going up from like I guess the most dangerous roads you know that's one thing but what what makes you think of doing Charlie Boorman's Extreme Frontiers well it, it, it I'm always, it's a little bit like when you get towards the end of one adventure, you're starting to think about another one, you know, and that, that always makes it easier to stop the one that you're on because you know, you're going to do another one. And so I've always sort of thought about, and the extreme frontiers was about, you know, when we went through, um, when we went through all these different countries and by any means and, and long ways, you know, we kind of went through a lot of these countries quite, 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 quite quickly. And, and some of the countries I wanted to go back to and experience a bit more. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to to go to each country and, 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 and have a have a bit more of an adventure? So I think the first one we did was was in was in South Africa. And and I really loved South Africa when, when you and I rode through it, but we went through it very quickly. And so I thought it'd be nice to go back 
and to do a to do a, a to really explore that particular country, and and that's how the extreme frontiers came about, and that came about by doing by any means and coming to the end of by any means thinking about wouldn't it be nice to go back and stay in one country so that's how that kind of came about and the desperateness to pay bills and to get another <laughs> you know to get another tv show so that i could actually i could actually live the life that i want to live that's you know? funny because that's just exactly <laughs> what i was going to say or and is this also part of hey you're making money doing this this is what you do you have yeah. to come up with stuff and you yeah and 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 it's not that you have to it's it's it, that's one of the real big exciting parts of 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 doing what i'm doing is coming up with the ideas and letting your mind wander and, and and giving yourself the time to be able to sort of think about what you want to do next you know you you need that and and by doing these adventures sometimes you get more time than you think you know because at home you get lots of distractions there's always distractions at home isn't there friends family mm-hmm. you know all sorts of stuff um, goes along the way. So, so, so you know, sometimes you, you you need to get out. And sometimes I just go with a couple of mates. We go for a couple of days uh, riding bikes to wherever or over to France or whatever. A friend of mine has a little light, light aircraft and sometimes we just, we do these little small bunny hops down to the south of France or, or, or somewhere in his little, little single engine Cessna and, and it's always noisy in the plane, so there's lots of time to, to sort of think. We get somewhere, have a little dinner, um, three or four of us in the little plane, and then and then that gives me time to think about things, you know, and think about the next journey. It has to be getting easier now because you you've got momentum. You you, you know, as far as uh, proposing doing something, oh, you know, no, nobody's wish. balking it. It's not getting easier. No, I mean it's easier to to meet with people. You know, so you can you can ha- you can get the meeting. Whereas right. before it was hard to get the meeting, but you still got to sit there and pitch it. And they look at you, and you know, you can see them glazing over, and you think it's just not going to happen here. Mm. And they go, and then they say, "What else you got?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, I've got this other idea." And so you come with two or three ideas. So I can I I used to struggle to get my foot in the door. Now I can get my body in the door or through the door. And, but it's, you know, you're still up against everybody else right? You know? and you've got to be current, you know, you've got to be current and, and that's difficult. And what do you mean current you know? as in your, as in well, you, you, you've got to be current as to what people want to watch now. You know, when you see long way around, you could linger on a, on a shot and stuff. Now people want it sort of bang, 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 bang. Everything right. needs to be quick. You know, people, if you have something on your Instagram and it's more than 14 seconds, people aren't probably going to, aren't going to watch it. And they go, well, that's 14 seconds. You know? mm-hmm. So, uh, so you, you're constantly always evolving, but it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, even if you, if you have had some success. So you're, you're still doing adventures like that. I mean, you did um, a USA adventure, I think in 2013, and you mentioned the trips that you're doing once a year. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, well, it started about 11 years ago. About people kept coming up to me and said, Charlie, you know, if you ever do a trip, I'd love to ride with you. And then I sort of came up with this idea, sort of, sort of, um, to ride from Cape Town to to Victoria Falls, uh, and take a bunch of people with me. So each year, um, I take about 20, 22 people on a 16 day tour from Cape Town to Victoria Falls through South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe. And, um, and then we collect another 20 odd people and go Zimbabwe, Botswana, South Africa, Lesotho, back into South Africa and back to Cape Town. And, um, and we stay in the most beautiful, beautiful lodges and go on these most incredible gravel roads and, 
and safaris and I mean it's pretty awesome and the food and wine and everything is delicious South African wines are some of the best in the world um, and some of the locations we go to are just mind-boggling so um, so I do that every year um, and take a bunch of people through that and the idea is to sort of sh- to show people that Africa is not as bad or parts of Africa are not as bad as people think it is and and um, and how beautiful the, the place is and then I do one tour one, one tour a year in February uh, in Australia I go from uh, Sydney to Melbourne via Tasmania um, and that's all road and we stay in beautiful places and the roads are just outrageously good so um, so that's what I do every year and 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 the selfish reasons really I do it because I, I I want to go back to Africa all the time so if I do the motorcycle tour I get to go back every year and and I love going to Australia I've got a lot of friends who live in Australia so I love to to go to go there so so uh so combined with a little bit of work and, and, and a little bit of friends is perfect. What's it like being a tour guide? Uh, well, I think I'm quite unconventional as a tour guide. <laughs> In what ways? <laughs> I give them I give them a lot of grief as well as being helpful. You know, no, I mean it's great fun. I, I I love I love seeing people's faces when they arrive in Africa and they're a little nervous and worried because they're in a, in a different environment and it is very different to what people in the west are used to and and you see them being a bit nervous at first and then you explain to them what's going on and these beautiful gravel roads and these places that we stay and then after sort of two or three days you start to like i was talking about when you're on your own adventure take three or four days to get into it and then you slow they're all sort of asking oh you know is there wi-fi in this next hotel and you know i must get in contact and then as the days go by, you know, they ask less and less if there's Wi-Fi. And then, then they start to ask, well, I hope there's no Wi-Fi in the next place. <laughs> and and you see people just relaxing and you see people relaxing into it. And then you see people's faces because you have to stop because 40 or 50 elephants are crossing the road. And there's two or three people around you and they're all stand, sitting there on their motorbikes looking at these majestic animals walking past. And you think, oh, my gosh. You know, and 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 people just slide into it and then by the end of it they just they don't want to go back you know they don't want to go home they just want to carry on and i love seeing people's faces and people's reactions and when people meet people along the way and you know and and the experience that they've had is is unique you know and not many people get to do it and it's it's lovely to be part of of their adventure because when when you do the movies you're influencing lots of people but you never actually get to see them face to face but here you're dealing with a very small number of people and you're you're getting sort of an intimate connection with them yeah and and lots of we've got lots of friends that we've kept over the over the 11 years there's loads and loads of people that we see like when we go to, to australia with you know, do our tours in Australia, there's always four or five people who join us on the last day or or join us on the on the first day to ride with us a little bit um, from people who have done it in the past. And, and, and you know, when people come through London, they come and stay. And, and it, you know, they're real, real proper friends that we've um, that we've created over the years. What's your life like now? I mean, we've talked about that, you know, you're doing the film pieces and you're doing some guided trips. Are you home a lot and with those sort of stints going out or what is it like? Yeah, I mean, the last sort of 12 years or so, I've, I've been away probably six or seven months of the year. Wow. Not all in one go, but but sort of spread out. And and um, and that's that's okay. And and it, it's, it can be difficult when the kids were younger, it was harder. Um 
Uh, of the last four years, I've been around a lot because I, I, in 2016, I really smashed my legs to pieces in a motorcycle accident where I clipped a car and then hit a really big curb and then a wall. This was at a, at a, a, la- a bike launch, in Portugal. Yeah, I was launching the new Tiger 800 and, um, and uh, I remember lying, uh, literally, and I remember lying on the ground and, and I tried to get up and my left leg and the shin, uh, the tibia and fibula had snapped and shattered and come out of the skin and was just flopping around. Oh. I remember standing up and the thing was flopping all over the place. And I thought, well, that's not good. And I remember lying down and then slowly I realized my ankle had been badly dislocated. My right ankle had been badly dislocated and broken. Um, and then I broke a bone in my hand. And, and I remember one of the triumph guys, Denny said, well, Charlie, he said, you may have crashed this, but I think you were the first person in the world to have destroyed this model of bike. <laughs> it broke into three pieces. Wow. It took him an hour to find the back wheel. But, um, uh, but that was the beginning of a very long um, uh, rehabilitation. I had, I had a huge cage around my left leg and, and my right ankle was pinned and all sorts of put together. And then, then I had, I think, 14 operations on my legs and oh. um, two years of, 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 uh, two years that's my wife going what are you doing charlie yeah um, you mean in life but, and then yeah yeah and then sort of four and then two years of of, of that being been really difficult and learning to walk again um and uh i remember that the physio said i had to get a a, a zimmer frame or one of those walkers frames walking right. frames yeah i don't know what they call them in, in, in canada yeah i guess walkers the, the kind that you see a lot of older people walking in yeah the world people ones you walk. yeah so I got one because I'm forever cheap. So I got one on eBay and, um, and it, it, it got sent to me and, and I shouted to my wife and I got it out of the package and I was laughing my head off and she came in and I was standing up because I'd broken both legs. It was, I couldn't put my weight on the legs properly. So I'm standing there and, and, and I bought a kid's walking frame and it only came up to my knees <laughs> And I was bent down looking at her and she goes, you idiot, you cheap little idiot. And then there was a tiny Good deal though. It was a great deal. Yeah. It was 28 quid. Oh, it was like, this is, this is amazing. Of course there had to be something wrong. But th- that was the sort of lots of moments of, of, of getting better. And, and all the time it was all about getting back on the motorbike. You know, when was I going to get back on the motorbike? And it was. It wasn't like when you had that, you didn't have that feeling of maybe I need to rethink this. I mean, you know, you get no, older. And- immediately back on the motorbike. I mean, when I crashed, the first time I tried to get up to pick up my bike to get back on the bike and pretend I hadn't fallen off. You know, the old classic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? But then when my leg was flopping around and was like, mm, uh, maybe not. But then I still had that cage on my thing when I snuck out and I took my wife's Vespa because I didn't have to change the case. I couldn't get my leg close enough to change gear because the frame was in the way. So I couldn't ride the motorbike. And so I thought, well, I could ride the scooter because it's just twisting. <laughs> so I went up with that before I could walk properly. So, and then what I would do is I'd go up to the bike shed and I would, I would sit on the scooter and I'd put the crutches in between my arms. And then I would, I would scooter up to, uh, to the bike shed. And then one of the waiters, one of the guys working in the, in the restaurant would come out uh, and take my my Vespa and I would get my crutches because I didn't have the strength to put it on the center stand because mm. my legs were all messed up. 
So he would put it on the centre stand and I would go in and have lunch and then ride home. And then my <laughs> wife would meet me out the front of the house. <laughs> That'd be a good picture. Uh, I remember one time, I remember one time I, I spent a lot of time in a wheelchair and I was had a bedpan for a long time because I was stuck in bed for a long time pooping in this bedpan. It was horrible. And eventually I was going along my 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 wheelchair and I kept passing the little toilet under the stairs that, you know, from going up to the house. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I, I reckon, because I used to be able to shuffle up the stairs to get into the shower. I would sort of use my bum and go up backwards, you know, using my up each step. Right. And I thought, you know, I could, I reckon I could get into the bathroom. So I, I got off the, the wheelchair onto the second step of the of the stairs and then pushed the wheelchair out of the way and then went down the two steps and bum shuffled along the floor. And then there's two steps down to the little toilet downstairs. And I put my I put my legs down there and I thought what I'll do is I'll stand up, pull my trousers down. As I swing round, I can sit on the toilet and finally go back to the bathroom properly. And so I had all this plan and I got up and I got my trousers down and I spun round and missed the toilet. And it's a tiny little toilet. And I missed the toilet and I got wedged between the, the toilet the and the wall. <laughs> and I was lying there with my with my trousers down by my kind of ankles with the big cage around my leg. And I was sitting there and my daughter, Dune, walks past. She was holding her laptop. And I went, Dune, Dune. And she, goes, she looked down and she goes, she goes, what the f- are you doing there? And I said, oh, I missed the toilet. Can you give me a hand? And she went, nope, and just walked off. <laughs> I was stuck there for ages. Eventually, finally, I managed to pull myself up and then finally got onto the onto the toilet. And I can't tell you how those little things, you know, of actually finally getting back to sit on a on a toilet properly and do your number twos. What a that was one of the huge points of my of my rehabilitation was to be able to sit on a toilet. And you, and you and, appreciate uh, those common things. My God, you know, I take it for granted now, but, you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this and you're off to the bathroom, you know, just enjoy it. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's a major, major crash obviously you had, and it's a long time, yeah, as you're one. saying. Did, yeah. did, don't then, you think then about it? I had one 18 you, months ago. Well, hang on. Oh, did you really? Wow. Okay. Let's, let's wait one, for that one. Ago. Did you not yeah. think twice? Like when you got back on the bike for the first time, did it not give you a feeling, you know, that feeling that a lot of people oh, get? Oh, just joy. It was, just I got joy. back on the motorbike properly after that scooter. Um, and I got back on the on, on the motorbike. Dan Ollie was with me. She was filming it, and, and and I got back on the bike and I rode down the thing and I turned around and I came back and and I was crying in my helmet. I was crying with such joy that I could do it. Uh, um, but but I have to say I was riding along quite slowly when when I was on the scooter with my with my crutches in my arm when I first rode up to to thing. I I hadn't ridden for quite a while, so for a couple of years I hadn't ridden. And, and and I was running on thinking, my God, everybody is flying past me, <laughs> nutters. And I'm thinking, my God, this is dangerous. And I looked down at my speedometer and I was doing 20 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, I've got to speed up a little bit here. Yeah. So it did take a, it took a day or so to sort of get into the speed thing. And then it took a while for things, you know, things coming from the right. Yeah, I would occasionally twitch at, but um, mm. uh, but than that, you know, it was fine. What's this this recent accident then? 
Oh, that was another one where I crashed in, in, in Africa and um, I don't remember any of it, actually. I had a huge head injury and uh, broke my collarbone, snapped my forearm and that was bent completely backwards and all the bones came out and then I broke my pelvis as well. So I had a plate put on my pelvis, two plates on my left forearm and a plate on my uh, collarbone. So uh, that was a big one. And then that was a big head injury as well. I, I couldn't ride for seven months afterwards. I was just kept being dizzy and, you know, that was brain bleeds and all sorts of stuff. Wow. <laughs> but ended up in a really good hospital, which was good. And my wife was none, not particularly pleased about that one. I can imagine. Yeah, that was not, that was a, that was a break too far, you know. And it, but it still doesn't affect your riding. No, not really. <laughs> well, I just, well, I just finished another big project and, and so that was fine. And uh, yeah, it all went really well. The, the, that's the project that we can't talk about long way up. Yeah, yeah. Why can't we talk about that? Because I haven't done it. <laughs> uh, Maybe. I'm not, I don't know. When's it supposed to happen? Uh, well, I don't know. It could come out soon or, or not. I don't know. Mm. What, what can you talk about? When it comes to that, <laughs> I'd love to do it. <laughs> this is um, this is riding electric motorcycles. I was well, a good idea. Yeah, mm. um, that'd be a good idea. I don't know. Soon, I would well, say that's about it, really. Charlie, it's been great to sit down and chat with you. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry to have bored you all for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> was Charlie Borman from his home in the UK and you can find out more about Charlie and look at the books and videos that he has at his website charlieborman.com of course we have that link in the show notes for this episode as well as some photos from Charlie all that at our website adventureriderradio.com I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Max BMW, M-A-X, BMW.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear, GreenChiliADV.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oiler at MotoBreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at CyclePump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, of course, the listener, for being a part of this. Now, um, don't forget, we have another show called ARR Raw that comes out once a month. You need to subscribe separately. And hey, if you haven't done it already, we would love it if you would go everywhere that you can find the show and give us a rating. Of course, obviously, I'm looking for a five-star rating. I'm hoping you're going to do that. But uh, give us a rating. Let other people know what you think of the show. That's really important because it's something we haven't asked um, uh, of, of very many times really with the show and we would love it if you could do it for us so go around there Facebook um, any of the apps 
to find on, in particular iTunes, go give us a rating on there. We would really appreciate that. If you're not doing it already, we do need your support. It's built on a model of some advertising and listener support. And in this economic climate, we need listener support more than ever. Drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com and click on support. Anyway, my name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Simon Pavey here calling to you from uh, sunny Wales and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 